Venting Anger Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hey. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And I'm Alex. And this is our podcast. Some nerds have a podcast. It's ours, and we're listening to it. And you're we're l- nerds. Also, and you're listening. Also, anime. No. Not anime. even at the tag. <laughs> anime. We just, anime? We just got three more subscribers. <laughs> anime. Hey, guys. So- for those of you who are newly subscribed, welcome to the podcast. Um... You have seen that we've we've gotten some people. It's in, it's nice. It's nice to have people listening to you. Yeah. Oh my god, it's more than just like the three people that we know too. <laughs> oh my god, there's strangers on the internet that care about what we have to say. Well, they're listening to what well, we they, have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not they care remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, but speaking uh, of anime, since anime. you brought it up. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been following the anime news. No. Uh, related <laughs> other to... Than, other than JoJo Part 6 or Part 5 coming out. No, okay. I haven't been paying I'm attention. I'm in a coma, a self-induced coma, until Bakano, uh, My Hero Academia comes out. Bakano, ba- Bakano Academia. Bakano Academia. All right. I know what I said. <laughs> so this this is more related to... Um, Naruto and me, Naruto. <laughs> this is more related to capitalism, but anime... Um, so, Funimation. <laughs> oh, no, wait. no, I did hear yeah. about this. Wait, hold. Uh, I feel like that is the summation of our of our podcast. Is like anime, we're gonna also bring capitalism. you. We're gonna bring you in with anime, and then we're gonna shove socialism in yeah, your face. Yeah. All right, it's so the old bait and here's switch. here's how anime ruins, or here's how social, or uh, damn it, capitalism. Capitalism, Fuck. capitalism, capitalism ruins anime. That's the one we hate. That's the one we hate. That's the bad uh, one. <laughs> capitalism is the bad one. All right, so Alex, what is so? Yeah, yeah. so I have Fun- I do know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so so Funimation, who is a studio that basically does they 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 got the monopolies on the anime. They're best known for the One they're, Piece rap. They're uh, keeping your wafus hostage. But they're they recently bought bought by Sony, mm-hmm. uh, and as part of the deal, they're going to be cutting a lot of their things that they have on Crunchyroll. From no! Uh, now they do also. They are the company responsible for My Hero Academia. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we watch it on Hulu, so fuck them. But <laughs> My Hero is one of the ones that's going to stay. Yay! Oh, that's good. Yeah, on Crunchyroll, but there are other ones. So, for example, Nichiju oh, no! is Funimation property and may disappear once again forever. Shit, Nick, we have to watch it. We have to finish watching it's gonna, it. No, it's going to be fine because they're going to put it on Crackle. So, oh god, Crackle. So, so he's gonna be like, "Do you guys care about Crackle now? <laughs> you didn't care about Ron Weasley in a Snatch TV show. Do you care about it now?" So, so November. S- I told you they're keeping your waifus hostage. <laughs> November seventh, I believe, is when the uh, the the transition goes no! into effect. So Nick, if- we have to watch it before November seventh. Uh, I don't know. Uh, now, Funimation does have its own proprietary streaming service. Yes. So it might be that they're just going to move things to that. But it's not free like Crunchyroll. But it's not free like Crunchyroll, yeah. no. Uh, which is messed up. Yeah. And but the other things that are also Funimation, which I won't need to finish, are um, Welcome to the NHK, which I've talked about before. Uh-huh. And uh, The melancholy, melancholy of Haruhu Suzumiya. <gasps> yeah, is that, wait, is that on Crunchyroll? It's on Crunchyroll. It's oh, been on Crunchyroll, but it might not be on Crunchyroll for very oh, long. Oh, shit. No. I didn't realize it was on. Yeah. This is like the only thing we're doing between now and yeah, it's just 7th. binging anime. Fuck work. Yeah. So <laughs> we're just binging anime. I don't know which properties will stay, which properties will go. Like I said, I do know that my hero is going to stay, and I think One Piece will stay probably, Could be. like okay. the big ones. But uh, a lot of the smaller ones, if you want to watch it on Crunchyroll, what about Bleach. Now's the time. Oh, I don't know. Is Bleach fun? <laughs> no, Bleach is like done. Is Bleach has no, been done? I mean, it, it, they've been done. Oh, but right. oh, is it owned by Funimation? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I was just I was listing Shonen Jump properties that were really popular for a while, and then 
they turned into bleach. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they turned into what bleach turned into. Oh, God. You all know. <laughs> Episode 500 and what now? <laughs> <laughs> just just put everything in the... Uh, the they're, they're fighting in a void. It's fine. Not to be like old man who yells at Cloud about this, but like... No, you're old man who yells at the guy who looks like Cloud. <laughs> but, it, but it's, you know, like, back in my day... Anime told a, told us distinct story across two, maybe three story arcs. Anyway, no, no. You you apparently never watched any of the Dragon Ball series growing watch, up. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of shonen. Yeah, I mean, I'm a no, girl. shonen has always been terrible. There are two genders: shonen, <laughs> shonen and shoujo. Shonen, no, it's true. <laughs> it is true. Um, uh, did we meet our know, anime the, quota? Uh, Can we get fifty new subscribers now? <laughs> Oh, they didn't subscribe. They just watched the one for like two minutes and oh, then God left. Oh, damn it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so for, for context for the behind-the-scenes folks, we, we've tried marketing for the first time in like a year. Alex tried marketing. Alex tried marketing. For the first time in a year, and I, I tried to crack the code as to why one of our episodes is so popular, and it's because I tagged it with the word anime. So, <laughs> so now, so now gonna we're going to do anime. that with this, and I'm sorry for breaking so, the illusion for you folks. Saw a new live-action anime. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I'm sorry for uh, I feel I feel like I'm deceiving you, listeners, and I apologize. It feels shitty. Yeah. I guess that's just what marketing does yeah. to someone. Yeah. There was an entire show about that. Oh yeah. It was, it was called Mad Men. Oh yeah. no, shit! It was an entire anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dude, live action anime. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Oh my god! Mad Men, the manga the of the the manga of Mad Men. I feel like there'd be Could fifty percent more sex, <laughs> which is still like entirely. I just I'm sex. just imagining like just people in just plain like like nice suits like 1960s. Like JFK style suits, just doing JoJo poses, <laughs> and that's why we can't leave. Lukey Stripe. <laughs> just the carousel scene is just like way more intense with like zoom ins and action lines. Uh, what would Don Draper's stand be? Oh my god, I think it's just like a giant bottle of bourbon. <laughs> like, comes and falls on your enemies it's gotta be i don't know it's gotta be something related to like his terrible childhood oh god <laughs> no it's 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 a bourbon hobo it'd be no it'd be well, with with bourbon bottles you gotta hands. give it you gotta give it a band name or like a song name like dream oh, a little god. dream dream a little dream yeah. i can't do that little dream little dream that's little what it dream. is oh no actually <laughs> Uh yeah no actually little, that's it little, little dream, dream. Of bourbon hobo, <laughs> the hobo bourbon. someone make this happen oh my god please <laughs> give me give me uh <laughs> give me JoJo Madman yes ah uh, okay are we big enough that we can just solicit things maybe we should put this on our Twitter yeah okay <laughs> put it on the Twitter all right I gotta get the the, the Twitters go get the go, Twitter. I, I gotta pull the tweeting go birds get Twitter from the from the sky go pull yeah. it out of Elon Musk's ra- hands send a raven. <laughs> Gotta steal Twitter back from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Wait, did he buy it? No. Oh, okay. But that was uh, that was a joke going around for a while. There, there. Speaking of Twitter and Jeff Bezos, there's a game that we all played. Yeah, we did all play oh, this. Oh, I like that game. Yeah. I need to go I back and play it. I got the good ending. I got the good ending too. I, got the, I haven't gotten any of the other. I got endings, no. several endings, but it's a game <laughs> where you play. You wake up in the body of Jeff Bezos, and the goal is to spend all his money as much as you can. Yep. And then if well, yeah, I don't want to give the give away the ending, but yeah, it's it's definitely. Definitely worth playing. If you get the good ending, it's pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but you got all the endings, right? Uh, I, th- I mean, I got th- three of the endings. I don't okay. know if that's all of them, but it's probably, I think it's all. I of would them. say good, bad, and neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I, it's we're we're in the middle of October. We're in the middle we're, of Halloween. We're speeding our way towards Halloween Ultra Climax. Um, <laughs> just throwing in the anime ha- bullshit. Halloween Eve. Halloween Eve. Yeah. No, that's that's September. Is Halloween Eve? Oh right. right, right. <laughs> um, Era of Halloween. Yeah. So now we're in the middle of Halloween, and so we've been, well, at least I've been, like binging horror movies for like the last week or so, like the last several weeks. So I've got a lot of movies to talk about, but we each individually saw a movie together. Well, I saw a we movie. Each individually saw each a indiv- movie together. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> that made sense in my head. I saw a movie with each of you. Okay. And you did not see the movies with each other, but I watched the original Halloween with Elise, and then we uh, watched the new Halloween with Alex, mm-hmm. and Elise, you kind of liked the original, right? I did. I did like the original. Um, I was very, like, slow-paced. There weren't a lot of jump scares. Yeah. I like that it was just sort of, like, an aura of creepiness, and I like that everything is sort of, like, explained or at least, like, thought out. Thing, like, pieces fit logically together, I yeah. guess. I mean... Um, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's... And I think that's pretty much, like, what can be said about that movie. If you've never seen it, it's very simple. Um, guy escapes from an insane asylum. He, well, he had murdered his sister when he was six years old on Halloween night. Um, and then 15 years later, he escapes and goes back to his hometown and kills... Really, it's just four other people and two dogs. Um, and so, like, the really low body count in that movie. Only three of those kills, other well, the sister you see on screen. And then, like, on the second night, the second, uh, when he comes back, three more kills on screen. Very kind of, by modern standards, a very tame horror movie. Kind of like a step up from psycho in terms of violence but same kind of an idea it's except it's kind of flipped around where psycho focuses largely on at least in the second half of the movie largely on you know the person who turns out to be the killer um with halloween you know basically nothing about the killer and then they made tons of sequels and tons of you know and a reboot to kind of try to explain the psychology of this character and all of those movies kind of sucked because the psychology of the killer doesn't matter. Um, and that's really what this new movie's about. And that's one of the reasons why I liked it. But Alex, you hated it. No, sir. I don't like <laughs> you, it. You didn't, you didn't like <laughs> it. Yeah, no. If I wanted to be uh, filled with disgust, I'd just stay home and read the news. Yeah. No, it was, it was really violent. So, like, where the original one is very, like reserved by today's standards like this movie was not no and i'm already not a big fan of slasher films in general yeah so like yeah i didn't know what to expect going into this i haven't seen the original halloween yeah Uh, you basically just hit me up and it's like hey do you want to see a movie i'm like sure so so poor alex i didn't see it i did specify it was halloween you specified it was halloween yes but i didn't know what would entail okay because i wasn't looking into it i wasn't following the the trailers or anything like that but no it was very violent there was a lot of like egregious deaths like 
Like, I don't get it. Is this is this what people like? Do you just like a, like, mindless automaton that just stalks people and kills them in gruesome ways? I mean... I mean, I know that's not all that there is to this movie, but that's what I remember and took away from it. Yeah, and that's a lot of the spectacle for this one. Mm-hmm. Like, there is way more spectacle on this, and the spectacle are the spectacle is the effects. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, if you're an old school horror fan, you do kind of have a thing for gore effects. I know I have a thing for gore effects. I mean, yeah, there's a thing for like the 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 technical aspect of the practical yeah. effects. But, like, I don't want to see somebody's brain get stomped with a boot. Yeah. I don't want to see someone stabbed through the neck, a character that we've grown to like and appreciate. You know? No, the person who gets stabbed through the neck is just on screen for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though. It's yeah. still, you know, I don't want to see that. I don't want to <laughs> go to movies, pay money to see that. But, um, especially when it has no necessary... Like, like the deaths seem to be, at least most of them, just, like, deaths for death's sake. Like, the story is about the, the family of the survivors from the original one. Yeah. And coping with the trauma, like like we were talking about this last night. Yeah. Of, of this uh, person that traumatized their family or traumatized the... The, 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 the grandmother. The grandmother, now, essentially. 40 um, years ago. And coming out and doing it all over again. Mm. But, like... You could have you could have done something where it was more of like an... I don't even know. I don't even really know. But, like, it didn't have to be the way that it was. It, it is really explicit. And mm-hmm. that, I, I was not expecting it going in. I understand why they did it. Which is because, again, it's something that... If you're going to go see a horror movie in 2018, you're wanting to be... Like shocked, like people go in expecting. No, I don't want to be shocked when I see a horror movie I, in 2018. I, I want to be terrified. I'm not There's saying a you. I'm not saying you. <laughs> I'm saying like, <clears throat> I want the that's... creep factor to be there. I want the psychological nagging at the back of your head, like, what's going on? Is this? Am I crazy? I... Am I real? What is happening? But no, it's just you see a man with a knife and you watch him as he goes and methodically kills someone, right, with a hammer, and it's like, what's the point even, like? The, the point is to make this, like, is to make us understand, like, how much of a threat this character is. And mm-hmm. to build him up. Because that is one thing that this sequel does that I don't think any of the other Halloween sequels mm-hmm. do, do well. Which is that Mike, Michael Myers is actually a legitimately scary threat in this one. Um, and that does come from the intensity of the kills... And it also comes from the fact that you do care about the people that he kills. And that's like one of the things that was a really strong, uh, another strength of this movie is that everyone, like even if they're a minor character that exists purely to get killed off, they get at least one scene where you get something about their character. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> some of those scenes worked really, really well. Like Sassy Babysitter. That got Sassy killed. Babysitter. Like- that, I was rooting for her to just continue, yeah. like make them, like have her join the heroes, and you know that's the great character right there. But no, yeah, dead. And that and that scene is kind of spoiled in the trailer, so it's not like, like, but yeah, because so I was going into that scene like knowing, okay, so this is gonna happen. But yeah, still, I was rooting for her. I was like, but and that's part of the point is like you don't necessarily want these characters to die, right? Um, and if, cause if, if you want them to die and that's, that's something that I really appreciated about this movie is it did, it reinvigorated the genre in a way that 
I would say hasn't been seen since the original Halloween. Um, the slasher genre kind of gets a revival every few years. Um, but it's always, at least in the past, has been, let's make it campy. Let's make it silly. Let's make it, you know, oh, here's a whole bunch of drunk teenagers in the woods. Can't You can't wait to see them get killed off because they're not really people. They're just kind of cartoon characters. Um, and that's what a lot of the movies are. And I think, and there is entertainment value in that. I'm not saying that there's not, like, like the later Friday the 13th movies or like, um, you know, the later nightmare on Elm street movies and even like the scream movies kind of took that formula and then was like, kind of took it back on itself. And it became this like Ouroboros of self-referential horror. Mm. Um, and the thing that I really appreciated about this movie is that the referential stuff was there, but it was very, very subtle. Like there were there were references to the original, like nods to the original, um, but they didn't distract from the story, mm-hmm. and they weren't like they didn't stop the story dead to be like, hey, this is just like a slasher movie, guys. You remember slasher movies? Mm-hmm. You know the rules of the slasher movies? It's back in pog. It's back. It's back in pog form. Um, but instead, it was things like, hey, some of the trick-or-treaters, when they're out on Halloween night, are wearing masks from Season of the Witch. They're wearing uh, silver sh- silver shamrock masks. Or, like, um, there's a scene with Lori's granddaughter in basically the same exact position in the classroom as her grandmother was in the original Halloween. And she's listening to the exact same lecture on the nature of fate. And she looks out the window and there's Lori standing there where Michael stood in the original one 40 years ago. It's like little things like that where it's like if you know that they're there, like if you're aware of the original movie or the original series, there are like little sight gags. But they don't like stop the story. They're not like, hey, everybody, let's all look at the lightsaber here. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the ATATs going by. Um, I can understand it like because I... There are elements of horror that I appreciate more and there are elements of horror that I appreciate less. I'm I'm of someone who is kind of okay with like sudden gory violence. I don't like long protracted scenes of violence. And this movie doesn't really have too many of those. Um but yeah, if you're somebody who is like very easily disturbed by violence, like there's a lot of it in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I feel like it serves it serves the theming and it serves the the story that's going on to a degree. It might be a little bit over the top, but I've a I, little over the top. <clears throat> no, I feel like. I, I, There's a man whose face is carved into a like his skull is carved out and in, turned into a jack o' lantern. Yeah. And somehow rigged into a car that's supposed to drive forward and then stop. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you don't actually see that happen on screen. No, you like, don't. That's what I'm saying when I'm saying, like, it, like the stuff that happens that's violence that you see on screen. There's a lot of implied violence that you don't see that is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like... I don't know. I, I watch a lot of horror movies. And so I kind of know where tastes are moving to and like where where genres kind of shift from and it's like you see things like that in older movies it's just that this movie has a way more serious t- 
tone mm -hmm. than where you'd see something like that in like an 80s slasher film. Sure. Like the gore is not that much different. It's just that the movie, when it's serious, it's very serious. Yeah, it is serious. And because like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is just something I don't like about the character Michael Myers in general. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got a character that is supposedly has some kind of mental condition. Yeah. But it's not anything like an actual mental condition. Right. And, you know, you try to treat it as such and you, you can't do anything because that's not the way that kind of any psychosis really works. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a character anymore. It's just a... Like I said, a mindless but, automaton but, that can do not but, but kill. But you hit on it. Like, it's not... He's not a character. Right. And, like, the movies that fail are the movies that try to turn him into some sort of character. He's not a character. He's a cipher. He is something that's kind of meant to just be, um, like, stand in for an idea. Like, that's why he's so terrifying. He could be... Like, because you can kind of put your own dreads and your own fears onto this blank faced Look, figure. man, I got enough dreads and fears to deal with as it is. I don't got to have Michael Myers' <laughs> face plastered on top of it. But that's it. what I'm saying is like that... I mean, I, I used the term when you were talking about this last night. I used the term catharsis. And mm. I feel like there is a sense of catharsis to horror movies when they're done seriously. Like a lot of... And a lot of the horror movies that I enjoy and a lot of the horror movies that you and I have watched together are ones that are <clears throat> meant to be a little bit sillier, a little bit cornier, you know, a little bit more on the, the lighter side. And this one is definitely way more serious. Mm -hmm. But like the purpose of horror when it's being taken seriously is for us to kind of confront our own darker natures, I feel, and our own darker, not necessarily desires, but, like, the things that, like, make us anxious and make us afraid. Um, and I'm losing my voice already. We're only 20 minutes into this. This isn't good. Um, but we're meant to, like, confront these things and be able to see that we can kind of come out on top. Um you know, through the actions of the heroes that like the world is sometimes like chaotic and violent and terrifying. And, you know, that's a lot of what this movie is like. Michael Myers isn't a person. He's not something that can be reasoned with. He is just personified like evil and violence who goes out to destroy purely for the sake of destruction. And so, like, what do you do when you're confronted with this avatar? Like, how can you confront it? And a lot of the times the answer is you can't. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like that's what a lot of what these movies kind of deal with. Like, we look at them as being, and, and this is something that we talked about on a previous episode, um, when we were talking about the history of zombie films. Mm -hmm. And I brought up slasher movies then, too. Because um, there's this... I feel often misunderstood idea of like 80 slasher films being like conservative morality plays. Cause it's like, Oh, the person who survives is the person who doesn't have sex and doesn't do drugs and always does the right thing. And it's like, if you actually go back and look at those fucking movies, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Like it's true in Halloween. Though. No, it's not. Lori's totally smoking pot in that movie. Yeah, but she coughs, which means that she doesn't do it that often, Nicholas. But I'm saying, like, like if you're, <clears throat> you know, she... What's that look for, Alex? <laughs> that off-microphone that off look. <laughs> that off-microphone look. It was in Colorado. 
It's uh, fine. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Continue. In 2012. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or later. Or, or Canada. Right now. Right now. Currently. Congratulations, Canada. Please invade <laughs> us. <laughs> um, uh. but, but just... The idea that, you know, you can't do anything or have any sort of desires is kind of the, the lie is put to that in a lot of these movies. If you actually go watch them now, this one, <clears throat> not really so much, but it's like the, the characters who die, like a lot of them aren't really guilty of anything, mm -hmm. which kind of adds to this idea. Like it's not a morality play. It's not anything about like <clears throat> people who do bad things, like have premarital sex and smoke marijuana and you know go out past curfew and swear like it's not that they deserve to be punished it's that sometimes bad things just happen and i feel like that's an important story to be told um and that's a lot of what the story here is about is about like how do you react to that how do those things affect people mm -hmm. and their families like sure. years and years later um and like what do you how? do when that comes back but Bad. What will we do when a senseless evil takes over the country? Mm -hmm. And what will happen to all the people who maybe, I don't know, just throwing this out here, got locked in cages? And what will happen to them years from now? I'm sorry. But, no, too but, like, but like, evil acts happen for reasons. And you can track them and you can if not, you know, a, you can understand it from a weird sense. But, like, in this movie, it's just a slow march of death. And I and I kind of get what you're saying, because I, I know I just made the joke about, yeah. like, what will happen, and making, like, the parallel um, to what's going on, on today, obviously. But I, I agree with you, and I think that it's kind of a folly that or a trap that we fall into, mm -hmm. where it's just like, evil just exists in the world, and it's like, no, people pe people make methodical reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. But, um, but that doesn't mean that evil as an idea doesn't exist. And, like, that's what this is. It's yeah. like but evil it, it kind exists, of... It exists within a, a realm of reason, I think is what Alex is trying yeah, to Yeah, no, and I agree with that. But I'm saying that, like, if you try to do those kinds of things, then to a degree you're providing some sort of an excuse like and we didn't talk about this last night but mm -hmm. i told elise about this when, we, when i got home i saw this movie as being extremely powerful for like kind of being a slasher movie for the me too movement mm -hmm. like it is probably the only r-rated horror film that i've seen where the the only R-rated slasher film that I've ever seen that doesn't contain like explicit sex scenes mm -hmm. and explicit nudity. Yeah. Um, there's just the, a couple of teens making out. There's it. a couple of teens making out and there is some of the nudity from the original because they show the original killing of, of Michael Myers, of Judith Myers um, from the first movie in a flashback. Mm -hmm. And that has nudity in it. And that's like the only nudity in the entire film. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like the lot of the theming of this is about sort of the me too movement and like how these things get covered up, like these sort of assaults hmm. get covered up for decades. And then like 
because everyone's... And you have people with internalized trauma. And you have people with internalized trauma who kind of isolate themselves from society, who everyone else thinks they're crazy, who their daughters, like, you know, uh, like, become ostracized from them, and it, like, ruins their families. And then, like, how do you deal with that? Because... This movie features... Just take all the incels out uh, back all of Yeller style. (laughs) Because this movie is, like, it's really interesting. Especially, like, because I'm the only one here that's watched both of these movies at all. Let alone, like, basically back to back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I rewatched Halloween this past weekend, the original, and I watched the new one last night. And it's really interesting to see how much both of those movies center around women. Mm. Like, the first one is a, like, post, like first like second wave feminism post sexual revolution there's a lot about there's a lot of sex in that movie but unlike the Friday the 13th movies that came out in the 80s this movie's sexuality is kind of sort of almost framed from the female perspective it's not entirely perfect but it was co-written by a woman so a little bit of that kind of bleeds through where the men in the movie are the sexual objects for the women. Cause that's what yeah. all of the girls in that movie are talking about all the time is having sex with their boyfriends with the exception of, uh, with the Lori. exception of Lori, who, even though she doesn't have a boyfriend still expresses sexual desire in someone who we never see. Um, except for in the second movie when he gets hit by a car and killed, um, <laughs> spoiler alert for yeah, a 40 year old movie. movie. <laughs> um, so, it's interesting in that sense because the, the women are all the main characters. The men are ancillary to the story with the exception of in the first one, Dr. Loomis, who is sort of the, the, the guardian angel protector who comes in to save Lori at the end, the sheriff who helps Dr. Loomis out and Mike Myers himself. Other than that, it's an entirely female centric movie. So like you have a pro- couple of protector figures, older non-sexual protector figures and a violent aggressor who almost always comes in in that first movie during scenes of female sexuality, like to snuff out women taking over control of their own sexuality. Judith Myers is killed as a result, uh, like right after having sex. It's, it's uh, implied doesn't actually get shown on screen, but it's heavily implied that she just had sex. Um, uh, Linda gets killed right after having sex. Same with her boyfriend, Bob. And then Annie, the other victim in that movie is killed on her way to having sex with her boyfriend. So we've got this like male figure trying to control the sexuality of these women. Um, Whereas in this, in the new movie, it's kind of reversed of that where there is no sex at all. And the little bit of like sexuality that is kind of put in there is either fully consensual or it's the controlling boyfriend that um, I can't remember her name. It's Adrian or Adriana, whatever the, the, the granddaughter's name is. I don't her, her boyfriend is a drunken. It turns starts off being kind of an OK guy, but he has a few drinks and he turns into a drunken, abusive asshole. And so she leaves him. And that guy is gone from the movie. Yeah, he doesn't even get killed. No, he doesn't even kill. Yeah. He's just gone from no. the movie. after Now, that. the the friend that tries to, to make a move after yeah. that, who gets, you know, is just who gets killed. Yeah. And then there's there's a really interesting line in that scene mm-hmm. where that guy is like trying to make out with her. And she's like, no, 
fuck off, leave me alone. And like kind of leaves him. And then like Mike Myers is in there, they're with him and he doesn't realize that he's the killer and he's having a dialogue with him. And he says, have you ever had, like, have you ever had, there, has there ever been a woman that you couldn't have? Hmm. Which is like just dripping with situational irony where it's like, yes, in fact, there was, there was, there was Laurie Strode, which is the one woman that he tried to kill that he couldn't kill. Um, and then he ends up getting killed. Um, so I, I don't know. It just seems to me like there's a lot of that because those, those male protector figures are taken out of this movie kind of one by one. Like the, the, there is no Dr. Loomis in this, not really. But yeah, so there's not really that male of there's not really that male protector figure. So it now becomes a movie about three generations of women dealing with an abuser. An abuser that has been covered up, tried to be excused, tried to be explained away, tried to have been ignored, but now he is resurfaced decades later. And in the era of Me Too, like I can't see that as being an accident. Like I can't see even if it was unintentional, like that subtext is so heavy in this story that it's kind of hard to ignore. Mm. And I feel like kind of going back to your complaints about the movie, that that's the big reason why that has to be in there. Like why that violence has to be so uncomfortable. Cause it's like, you shouldn't feel comfortable about mm -hmm. this. Like you shouldn't feel okay. Yeah. Like you should be disgusted and you should be repulsed. And it absolutely positively makes you feel that way. Um, in a way that few movies that don't explicitly deal with sexual violence can do. Cause there, again, there's no, like there's a little bit of hints of sexual violence in it, but there's violence and there's sexuality. And those things are kind of separated, but they're implied. They're like connected by the juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, the, the acting was terrific. Um, all of the main characters are really good. Judy Greer as the mother was like surprisingly awesome. Mm. I wasn't expecting much from her because she's primarily a comedic actor and she is pretty funny through most of the movie. But then like when she does kind of come into her own towards the end, that was pretty impressive. That would be actually kind of my one complaint is that um, the Judy Greer's character Laurie Strode's daughter um, is not is the one of the three major women in the movie that aren't really she's not really characterized that well. <laughs> she doesn't really get as much of a character arc as Laurie does and as her granddaughter does. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're going to do all three of them that she kind of gets a character arc, but she's kind of played off as a joke for most of the movie. Um. So we spent like thirty minutes talking about Halloween. We talked like spent like twenty minutes because we talked about anime. So for a while. yeah, no hard pass from me. You can't you can explain all the hidden meanings that you want, and it's all good reasons. But still, I don't want to watch it. No, and that's fair. Like there are plenty of movies that like a lot of people have said, oh, this movie is incredible. You should really watch it. Um, that I purely have no interest to see. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in seeing Martyrs. I have no interest in seeing Audition because I know that that's not the kind of movie that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. But I do like slasher movies. If you like slasher movies, if you like the original Halloween, this movie is with... I don't know if I would put this above Halloween 3. I really, really love Halloween 3. But it's a completely different genre. Mm. And so I feel like it's probably the the best of the sequels 
possibly excluding that one. Um, because it's the only one of the sequels to really deal with a lot of these same themes as the original, to have to strike a similar tone to the original. Even more so, I'd say, than Halloween 2, which was clearly just trying to ape the original as best it could. Um, this would be definitely, if you're into those kind of movies, go check it out. The direction is fantastic. Both John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis are involved. John Carpenter made the soundtrack. It fucking slaps. It's amazing. Um, I'm waiting for my vinyl to arrive. I ordered it off of John Carpenter's Bandcamp. Um, so yeah, it's really good. Don't go see it if you do get if you get your stomach turned easily by violence. But if if you can stomach a little bit of like you know quite a, quite a bit of very extreme violence and very sudden violence. Go check it out. Cool story, bro. Yep. All right. I've got some other Halloween movies to talk about, but I've, I I want to rest my vocal cords for a bit because I've been talking about Halloween nonstop. So uh, someone else jump in. Do you want to ask me about um, Doctor Who? Yeah. Tell us about Doctor Who. Tell us about Doctor Who. So, yeah. I haven't seen any of the new season yet. Is it cool if I go into spoiler territory or? So, I haven't watched Doctor Who since the David Tennant episodes, like okay. the second season of David Tennant, so I am not in on the loops. Yeah. I will probably not be seeing this until it starts streaming on Amazon, so... Okay, yeah, so spoil away. I'm going to be a bit before I get to it, so yeah, go ahead. All right, so from here on out, this is newest season. I think this is... Oh, God. Season 11? Season 12? 11? 12. 12. One of those. Okay, season 12. First season of the 14th? 13th. 13th. First season of the 13th, 13th Doctor. This is spoiler zone. Spoiler cast. Spoiler cast. All right, you've been warned. So we've now had three episodes uh, with our lovely leading lady. Um, oh, right, by the way, Doctor Who's a girl now. Um, deal also, with it. like, yeah, deal with it. It's about goddamn time. Yeah. Honestly. Um,. So, the, her her opening episode was okay. It wasn't, like, as strong as I think other other doctors have been. It is season 11, and by the way. It is, okay, so, so it is season 11. Um, I don't think hers was as strong. So, if you look at, like, um, shit, why am I forgetting his name? No, number nine. Oh, uh, Christopher Eccleston. So you got Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and now, um, God, I feel like I want to go back and Broad like Church. just restart this Broad sad beach, lady. sad beach show lady, but not the cool detective, the whiny mother. Um, sorry. You could just say the thirteenth Doctor. The f- no, but I'm trying doctor. to like get, give people like a sense of like um. Who this person is. Who this person is. Um, two seconds. I'm feeling I'm already on here. Um, Ba-da-da. Sorry. We can cut Jody this Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. So now you have Jodie Whittaker. So comparing it to like, like how it would rank, like her opening episode would rank in comparison to like other opening episodes. It kind of ranks towards the bottom. I don't know. Like I feel bad saying that. But it is like a complete... It's like one of those soft reboots because we've got a new showrunner. Um, the the ep- the budget is like blown sky fucking high. 
Um, so, in that sense, like, you watch it, and it's it's extremely beautiful. And the writing is really interesting. The villain they have set up for the season is really interesting. Um, definitely, like, it is a very... And, like, Doctor Who, I don't I don't give a shit what you say. Doctor Who has always been political. Yeah. And, like, it's... What the fuck is that about? Like, it's... It, it started off, I mean, it started off as, like, a pseudo-educational show. Do you, do you remember like, that episode where the doctor went in and was like, oh, hey, guess what? All wars boil down to just two people arguing, and so why don't we just skip all the time where we just, like, kill people and just go to the arguing? Let's just go straight to that. Sit down and talk things out. Yeah. We'll just skip all the killing part, because that's all wars are. <laughs> that's all it comes yeah. down to in the end. Or like you know, in the fucking sixties, when they were, when they had a, you know, the Dalek episode. Like the Daleks were originally supposed to be a, um, an allegory for Nazism, mm-hmm. you know, and it was supposed to be a warning against that. So like Doctor Who has always been political. It has always been like wee baby propaganda. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, so all all wars are two people arguing. One person says, "I want to come into your country and colonize it," and the other person says, "No," and then the person does it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, or I want to colonize your country. Well, yeah, I want to colonize your country. And that's kind of what it comes down to. That actually is what that episode was about. Yeah. Was Wait, are, are you people... talking about the Hungry Earth? No, I'm talking about the one with the the Zygons. Um Oh. So it's it's basically are you you're familiar with Zygons from Classic Who, right? Yeah. Okay, so the the shapeshifters? Mm, yes. Okay. Yes. They they, they look they, like they, they look in, like the Day of the Tentacle Monsters. They were in Scotland. Yes. Yes, I do know. That. Um, so the Zygons in this episode, um, had already taken over and had already like shapeshifted into some people in power, but then something happens. I can't remember exactly what, but then everyone in the room forgets who they are temporarily. Mm-hmm. So we've got identical looking people. One of them's a Zygon and one of them's not. Oh, this is the 50th anniversary episode. Yeah. Um, with Matt Smith and David Tennant. Right, yes. Um, so that's what happened. In that oh, no, episode. I'm confused. Um, there's a, yeah, there's another part to it, though. There's like, okay. there's the other one because the Peter Capaldi was, there's a follow up with Peter Capaldi. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. So, um, all this is to say is like, you can start as many Twitter wars as you want. The facts are Doctor Who's always been political. It's always had an agenda. Um, so this season's agenda is really interesting. It's definitely a, um, I don't think it's a referendum on any one politician, but it is definitely a referendum on the rise of nationalism in Western countries and the rise of racism and racist incidents in in Western countries and Western societies. And using, like, the West TM to mean Western Europe and America. 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 Um, And kind of, like, the rise of hate crimes and different things like that. So, and also genocide, kind of. Um, So, anyway, so we've had three episodes. Um, The first one, like I said, wasn't... It wasn't my favorite introduction to a doctor, but it was still a pretty strong episode overall. I think the second episode was really interesting. Um, the second episode was they are on a mysterious foreign planet. Um, it turns out the doctor and her new three companions, um, they sort of get involved in this crazy race. Uh, and you have these two lone survivors of this race where the prize is like, 
a, an unfathomable amount of money at the end. Uh, and they have to go find the moon, the moon monument or the moon garden monument and guardian monument. And, uh, and so they get sucked into this, this race with these two people. And it becomes like a really interesting dialogue on like, you know, what, what is better to go it alone or to, you know, to work as a team when you're on this inhabitable planet. Um, it, it does a callback and really nice callback to the first episode where you find out that um, the race of the uh, antagonistic alien from the first episode, apparently his race had enslaved a bunch of scientists to create crazy weapons. And so the scientists basically made the planet that they were, were kidnapped and forced to live on um, a inhabitable uh, in the hopes that it would like destroy all the weapons that they were forced to make. Um, and then some space capitalists come in and are like, this would be a hilarious place for a race. Um, for like an actual race for a bunch of money. And anyway, it's, it's interesting. I really liked it. Um, for those of you guys who aren't familiar, so that you've got the new, new who is Jodie Whittaker of Broadchurch fame. Um, she has three new companions. Um, you have an older man, uh, who's the step grandfather uh, so you have an older man, older man named Graham, who's the step grandfather of Ryan, who is a like nineteen or twenty. Um, he is a black Britishman, um, and then his friend uh, Yaz or Yasmin, who is of Pakistani descent, and she is actually a police officer. Um, so it is about them. And the doctor traipsing through all of time and space. Hmm. Um, so I kind of gave like a really brief overview of the first two episodes. I definitely think that they're worth watching, especially if you've kind of fallen out of Who for a while. I think this is a good this is a good entry point um, to start watching. Okay. Um, but I think we all want to get to the third episode, which is kind of like the now very famous one, um, which is called Rosa. So what happens is the TARDIS as always, brings the doctor and her fabulous companions to a place in which the TARDIS feels like, I guess they need to be or something. You know, there's always like this trope of, of how the doctor interacts with the TARDIS and the TARDIS kind of has a mind of its own. And um, the TARDIS usually kind of like brings the doctor. It's sort of like a, I don't know if it's a deus ex machina or just kind of like It's a, a plot device. It's a plot device. Yeah. So like plot device this time brings them to 1955 uh, Montgomery, Alabama, um, which if you know American history, which apparently a bunch of British people do now, <laughs> that was like the, probably like the least believable part of the entire episode was like, how do you people know this much about United States history? But I don't fucking know. So, um, so yeah, so it's because they the, watched it on Doctor Who. I know. <laughs> so it's on the eve of Rosa Parks famous, uh, fam famous protest. Um, and it's a, it's really interesting. I think they avoid a lot of pitfalls um, that you usually have when people are writing about race issues. And I think Chris Chibnall is not. Uh, so Chris, Chris Chibnall is the current showrunner and he's co-wrote the episode. Um, yeah, he's definitely white. Um, but he like avoid um he brought on another a woman writer 
um, to co-write the episode with him. And they do a really great job of avoiding a lot of pitfalls that we've talked about with other um, with other shows that try to talk about race. Um, so basically what happens is there is, this is kind of the best thing. Cause it, like, there's so many parts, like I was watching it, I was watching it with a group of friends last night and I was like clutching a pillow. Like, is this when they're going to fuck up? When okay. How about get, now? When does it get racist? When, it, when does it get racist? And it never happens. And there's so many opportunities. They have so many opportunities to fuck up. And it's like, they just delicately like skirt around all of them, which is really, it's, it was quite refreshing. Nope. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Um, so there is a guy messing around, basically space Nazi greaser, um, who is like space white supremacist, uh, is fucking around with time because he's convinced himself, uh, it's implied that he's an earthling and he's convinced himself that like, since history is made up of small moments that build up over time, if you just fuck up enough of the small moments, that pushes it nudges um time enough in a different direction that uh he feels like basically change the future it'll it'll change the future wasn't um, there an episode in the first season of the new who that was basically saying why you shouldn't do that yeah yeah, yeah but he's the antagonist all oh, right so what the doctor and her crew have to do is make sure that history happens exactly the way it is mm. which is really nice because i feel like they could have just done Doctor Who solves racism and they didn't. Instead, they recognized like this is a moment that needs to happen. It needs to happen a very specific way. And so mm-hmm. they break down like all of the things that needed to happen in order for this moment to take place. And that's interesting because that really goes back to like the very first series. Yeah. Because there's that, there's the, what was it, the Mayans? Yeah, yeah. With yeah. the first Doctor. Where he's like, oh no, this is a this is a fixed point in time. We can't change this. Like it's got to go down exactly the way it happened. Like we can't change these people's lives. We can't help them. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of something that has come up a lot through Doctor Who. But it's kind of neat to see that going back to that same idea, but but now spinning also it. yeah, spinning it and and using it to talk about really relevant, still relevant issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is what I'm saying. Like the there's definitely there is a solid bent um to this season like there is a solid agenda here um and so so Jodie Whittaker and her lovable gang of misfits lands in 1955 uh Montgomery Alabama um of course they sort of like haplessly make their way a lot of racist shit happens like Ryan tries to give back this woman her glove and, like, a guy slaps him. The white guy slaps him across the face and, like, yells at him. And then Rosa has to, like, come, Rosa Parks, like, comes in and intervenes. And um, and they get kicked out of a, they get kicked out of a diner mm. um, because they're, like, you know, you've got two people of color sitting with two people who are presenting as white. Well, one person who's white and, yeah, okay, whatever. I don't know what I was trying to say. <laughs> The, the doctor is an alien. Anyway, um, and then, like, Yasmin gets mistaken. They're, like, they call her Mexican, and she's, like, I'm Pakistani, but she doesn't actually, like, say that to them. A lot of crazy things happen. It's definitely worth your time to watch it. Um, so, they, yeah, so they break down everything that has to happen. So, like, the bus has to be full. And um, the bus has to be full, 
it has to be this guy driving the bus. She has to be seated in seated in uh, seated in this seat. And basically, what the space Nazi greaser man is going through is trying to make sure that like none of these things happen. So like, he gives the guy the day off, and then he breaks the bus that he was going to ride, and then he like, you know, which causes a delay in the in the bus system. So you have a bunch of people not taking the bus, so the buses are half empty, which means that she doesn't get to do her protest. And it's like it just goes on and on, and they it's a race against the clock to try to figure you know to try to make it happen. And it kind of at a very pivotal scene, you think like, oh, God, it's not going to happen. And then Jodie Whittaker is like, oh, my God, we have to stay. Um, her and Graham, who are the two white people in their crew, have to stay in their seats mm. in order to allow there to be enough seats filled. So that way she can that Rosa Parks can have her moment. And it's a really interesting because like Graham gets incredibly uncomfortable because he's like, I don't want to be in this part of history. Mm. Um and then, like, Yasmin and Ryan have a wonderful conversation um, when they get chased out of a hotel. Um, so they try to they try to stay in a whites-only hotel. They have to sneak Yasmin and Ryan into the hotel, and then they get chased out because there's, like, a, a police officer that comes and is like, are y'all hiding them? Yeah, I'm not going to say it. But, yeah, <laughs> those people of color uh, in in this here hotel room and they're like, no, we're not. And then while that happens, Yasmin and Ryan have a really interesting conversation about like, what does it mean for them today uh, in the 21st century in Sheffield um, to be, you know, to be people of color. And it, and it just, I like that the focus is always kept on them and much less on like the doctor is a really ancillary character, yeah. which I think is like the best thing that they could have done. Right, because they they really could have they could have shoved her into the forefront and then lost all of this. They could have like um, made it so it was Doctor Who that saved you know saved us from racism, and they didn't. And I liked how they made a really big point about it's these little moments that all have to lead up everything that has to align in order for one thing to happen, <laughs> and how if just one thing throws out of balance, that can nudge the timeline in a very different way, um, which harkens back to the. In the second episode, um, there's a character who talks about how her planet is being, uh, the people on her planet were invaded by the antagonistic race of aliens from the first episode, and then they were being systematically killed, um, and how she desperately needed the money from the um, from the race in order to go get her family and get them off the planet. Mm. Um, so that's why I was like, yeah, this this season has an agenda. It is definitely like a a referendum on all of the shit snack that is happening yeah. um both in america and in in europe right now so, so. question and an observation okay uh question first uh how awful are the american accents in this or do they just cast americans oh my god i don't know if they just cast americans but they are like spot on like they talk like alabamans okay it is freaky um, I don't know if they just spent, like, a lot of time with, like, a dialect coach. Oh, it was also it was also the first episode that I've ever seen that had a trigger warning. Yeah, for no, Doctor Who. That. There was, like, a Doctor Who trigger warning. And it was done in, like, the most British way possible, which is, like, on this episode, Doctor Who and her companions meet some very familiar prejudices. And I was, like, I guess if I read between the lines, there's there's going to be racism. Yeah. You know? So, um, but I like that it wasn't, you know, oh, some viewers may find this 
questionable or objectable or whatever. Like, they're just like, no, like, this is what's happening. But not to make, like, a necessarily a, a comment or to give people an out to be like, oh, I don't want to watch it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes you forced. Uh, yeah. To confront the history. So, yeah. So observation now. Okay. Um, Go for it. It is the 13th anniversary or something like that of Rosa Parks' death this week. Yeah. So I that's kind of interesting that they air that episode this week. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, and there's like a nice, like they do the whole like, in this special episode monologue at the end. Um, and Jodie Whittaker talks about like, uh, how, you know, how, how she really suffered, um, for what she did. She lost her job. Um, but then like eventually, and it wasn't until 1999 that she won the presidential, um, award for freedom. Uh, which then she's like, which is the highest honor that a civilian can have in America. <laughs> it's like, in case you didn't know. Yep. I'm like, yeah, we're you really... You probably don't know. Also, we're really bad at naming shit. Yeah. We're like, the Presidential Award for Freedom and Bald Eagles. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh. Um. So, yeah. The one thing that I, I don't know if I liked or didn't like uh, at the end... So, they were doing... They did a really great... They used, they used a lot of, like... Doctor Who compositions to score the the show. And they also used, like, uh, songs from the time period. Until they got to the end moment between the confrontation between Rosa Parks and the bus driver, uh, James Blake. And then they scored it with a pop song about rising up. And I like... I don't know. It was the it was literally like a modern pop song, like a modern pop oh, okay. song, which I never heard Doctor Who do before. And they had fucking Kylie Minogue on there. They did. I mean, well, in the '60s, they played the Beatles. That's true for like a hot second, and they called it classical music because yeah. it was a, a joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It took me out of the episode a little bit. Um, but I understood what it was there. Um, a lot of people had some like really powerful reactions to it, which I think is important. Um, and I think it was an a important... lot of people had some really racist reactions to it too. That is true. And fuck them. Yeah. Fuck those fuck guys. Those people. Uh, but it was it was a really good episode. And also like fuck you if you're all like oh, I can't believe Doctor Who talked about racism and it's like Doctor Who talks about politics all the time. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes. Open your eyes, bitches. Anyway. Um, I would highly recommend, even if you're not a Doctor Who fan and you just want to watch like a one-off episode, this would be like the one one-off episode that I would recommend. Like absolutely for sure. And is this, is this the latest episode? Yeah. I just got yeah. out like... Um, and like comparing it to like other, cause it's interesting is I think of like three, I put this in line with kind of three distinct episodes that, uh, either do or don't tackle uh, with com- companions of color who like do or and do and do don't tackle the racism angle. Um, so in during the, Is it why am I forgetting his name? Peter uh, no, 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 no. Oh. Uh, before that, um, the Davies. Yeah. Um, the Reese Davies, Ru- Russell, the Davies, Russell, the Davies, Russell, the Davies wrote an episode for, um, Tenet, who was number 10, and, um... Matt Smith, Christopher Eccleston. No, 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 no. It was a it uh, was Freeman. Campaign. What's Free- her name? Um, uh, starts with an A. M- but, um, 
Martha. Martha. We'll just call her by the character name. Um, Martha Jones. So, like, Martha Jones, who was a, um, who's a medical doctor. Yeah. She was a great companion. They kind of forgot that she was a medical doctor, like, yeah, really yeah. fast. Really, really quickly. They were like, they just blew over that. But Martha is a really good character. So Martha Jones and uh, David Tennant travel back in time to uh, Shakespeare's time. And she, like, expresses concern about maybe I shouldn't be walking around the English Renaissance as a black woman. And he is like, don't worry about it. Give these people more credit. And then, like, they walk around. And, yeah, to a certain extent, like, they had mores in that time. And there wasn't, like, a lack of racial diversity. But it was also, like, a really... It was a really shitty way to deal with something that was a very real fear. Well, as compared yeah. to like the Peter, the Peter Capaldi, Capaldi version um, of that of a similar scene between him and Bill uh, when they go back to I believe it's the the turn of the 19th century, yeah. so early 1800s. They go back in time to London, and Bill is like um, melanin, and he was, and he actually looks at her very concerned and goes, "Oh." You know, that's a good point. Um, he doesn't say it like that, but he's like, you know, that that is a real concern. And in, instead of, like, blowing her, blowing her off like David Tennant does and says it, but at the same time, there's, like, a really pivotal scene where they where um, Bill is, like, confronted with a racist. And instead of, like, giving Bill the opportunity to rise up, it's instead, like, Peter Capaldi is the one that, like, punches the guy in the face. Yeah. So... Face punching. Yeah, yeah. And so that I was like, I don't know if I if this settles completely with me. And so that's why like this, I feel like every time, right, we get like a little bit better. Yeah. And um this time it would it settled almost entirely on the stories of the of the the companions of color and how they were viewing things as opposed to the white characters and how the white characters viewed things. So I really appreciated that. And they're kinda of going back to the uh, the Shakespeare episode. Like yeah. you do have to have like chattel slavery for racism to really exist in the terms that we think of it today. Mm-hmm. So this was pre pre chattel slavery. Pre, just not barely. in Spanish and North America. Yeah, Spanish but America. if you're in if you're in Victoria, well, not Victorian, but Elizabethan London. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in different in other parts of the world, but like you have to have like the power structure of slavery in place for racism to really take root. Yeah. Because there's not really a sense of but, that. But like, there's a sense of the, you're different and weird, but not lesser than necessarily. But there's also, but it was, I don't, I still don't think that that excuses. No, it doesn't. Because you how can, it was handled. Because I think it was handled in a really like yeah yeah racism you, is overway. Because you could like, totally Ugh. put it. You could totally instead put it in the racism hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> because. The power structures aren't in play. Right. And that would have been like a better line or a better comment um, yeah. to Martha's fears, which were like really like they were rooted in reality. And the fact that she just gets blow like, you know, blown over, like, you know, blown off by the doctor, um, like or her fears are just whatever. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Did not sit well with me in that episode. I don't think it's really aged very well. No. Uh, in comparison, I think the I, th- I think the one with Bill and Peter that one's also, is yeah, there's a little be better. bit better. Yeah, that the Shakespeare episode also has got some pretty bad like queer baiting in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like pretty bad. So, 
Anyway, so that's where we are on racism in Doctor Who. That's yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. What have you been up to, Alex? Other than, <laughs> um, other than sitting there super bored while we talk about this. No, I'm not bored. I'm listening. Uh, I was just trying to... Uh, I mean, I've been doing a lot of work and just being in weird mind spaces. Been thinking about, like, mood level of Zizek talking about Boss Baby for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh, God. Where... Yeah. where, where See, 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 Tim, at the beginning of the film, he, he is uh, the workers that have achieved class consciousness and they realize that this baby, uh, who is represented as the, the, as the uh, bourgeois, and uh, no one recognizes this, uh, this struggle of the classes as the parents of the liberals and the oppressors and the end and so on and so on. And so the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love how you even have this sniff down. That's good. So, but uh, as, as Tim can only realize this, he is struggling against the boss baby. However, at the end of the film, you'll see that the, they come to reconcile. And so it is essentially the ideological propaganda saying that you should identify with your boss uh, because he is, in fact, your brother. <laughs> And so do not be taken in by this ideology. Also, like, yeah, no, I'd love to hear him go up, because I'm sure he would rant just purely for an hour by itself on the idea of the commoditization of love, yeah. Yeah. which is, like, the foundational background of the plot of that movie. Yes. Is that, is that love is a finite quantity that has, like, a, a like a, a value? Yeah. Yeah. Can we, can we get him to talk about this for an hour and a half? I would love to see this. Yeah. Is there enough cocaine on the planet? <laughs> but um, Alex, are you going as Shizak uh, for Halloween? Because you make a really good impression. Yeah, no, the, the sniff, you even have the sniff down in the right parts. Like, oh my that. god, it's great. Uh, I don't know, maybe, but um, but no. Uh, the only thing I've been doing is uh, reading, you know, books and stuff. Um, oh, lame. Uh, I was. I mean, I was reading Lenin's State and Revolution, <laughs> so that's a thing, and it makes me wonder. Okay, when, Red Guards, when can we can we start stockpiling arms? When can I can I talk about something? Yeah. So, so Nick and I have been watching a lot of Peter Coffin. Um, yeah. And obviously, our Lord, our our Lady and Mother, <laughs> contrapoints. Um, queen of the lobsters. Queen of the lobsters. Lobster queen! <laughs> and we've also been watching a lot of Oliver Thorne and uh, Philosophy Tube, right? Mm -hmm. So all of them reference... Um, all of them reference, like, the elitism of the left. Mm -hmm. And, like, people saying, like, oh, you don't really understand this if you don't... You haven't read Derrida. Or, like, you don't really get this if you haven't read, like... Elise, have you read Kapotkin? Because you can't... You can't talk about elitism in the left unless you've read Kapotkin. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I've heard, of, I've heard a lot of people reference it in jokes, but I've never actually seen it in action. Mm. And so, like, is it because I was a theater major in college? <laughs> and, like, we were all just, like, high off of postmodernism all the time? Or, like, I don't know. Like, I've, I've just... I'm always fascinated when I see more instances of people making fun of something as opposed to the thing being made fun of. Mm. Beating, you know what I mean? Beating like, I've the dead caught, horse. like, incels in the wild, you know? Yeah. yeah like, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have seen red pillars yeah. amongst the we, we know that they exist. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, like, I'm like, are these assholes? Like, are these assholes yeah. real? Because I thought that they all graduated and hated themselves. I don't know. I right? don't know. But, I mean, like, it's not an... I'm not trying to be an elitist to say, oh, I've read yeah, Lenin yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like, like... If any, if you wanted to read Lenin, it's a good place to start because it's super small. Like, it's a little yeah. pamphlet kind of thing almost. And in, in fact, like, it gets to the 13th chapter and it's like, 
oh, I'm sorry, the October Revolution interrupted my work. I'm, it's much more fun to experience revolution than write about yeah. it. Uh, get back to you later. And, and so, like, the book just ends there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a super quick but read. I'm not, I'm not, like, accusing you of this, because I don't think this is what you're doing. Yeah. I, I think you're just, like, I, you, you read London for fun and then talk, talk to us about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yep. But, like, I want to know who are these fucking assholes? These, who are these, like, elitist leftist I don't know. Assholes? I guess we got to go to DSA meetings to find them. Probably. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> then, yeah. oh, my God, we'd have to leave the house. See, here's, here's, I just don't know if that's going to happen, Here's the thing. Do you know, do you know, um, Ayn Rand assholes? Yeah. Or did you know them in college? Like the guys who just like, who just will always, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. They'll always bring objectivism into everything. I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, like as an arts major, your life is just different. No, no, no. I get that. Like, but I'm, I, like I'm I, just so saying, I didn't really know. Like, I didn't even know like a lot of like. Ayn Rand. I mean, we talked a lot about feminism. We talked mm. a lot about postmodernism and post and absurdism. No, you have to understand. No, no, I do understand. Like, but have you ever met one of those people who will never shut up about I Ayn didn't, Rand? I didn't meet them in college. Okay, but have you ever met one of those people? I think so, maybe. Okay, so so take that person and then instead of having read, um, instead of having read like Ayn Rand at 13 years old the- or, or like... Like one of the like babies' objectivism, like um, the Sword of Truth series, they instead read like the Conquest of Bread. Uh-huh. But and they but they didn't read it at like thirteen. They read yeah. it like a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I I just I mean I guess. Like I, I can see, I I believe that this person exists. Yeah. I just. I have never personally met anybody I, that fits this I've archetype. never personally met that archetype either, yeah. but I think Alex is right that we probably would need to go to DSA meetings to meet that yeah. person. Yeah. Because when we, like, our leftist circle is, like, the three of us and then, like, podcasts and YouTube that we watch. Right, that's true. <laughs> like, and all of, like, the other it. podcasters, like, you know, and, and I think of, like, Dr. Blumberg, who's somebody that's, like, very educated, but also, you know, very pro, like... Pop culture. Pop culture. Yeah. You know, popular yeah. culture. So, like, yeah, maybe it's just, like, the circle that we run in. Um, we know yeah. Most yeah, like, people. no, no, no. Because <laughs> I just remember in college it was, like, oh. Like, it, it, it was, like, that scene in The Lion King with, like, Simba and Mufasa. <laughs> and it's, like, what is that dark shadowy place? It's, like, those are the philosophy <laughs> majors. Yeah, like, yeah. Must never go there. And I didn't. And so, you know, I mean, we, like, I don't know. I can talk to you a lot about Dadaism. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew some people that were really obsessed with Dada and theater of cruelty. But, like, yeah, I don't know anybody that was, like, knee-deep in Kapakin and, like, would just be an asshole about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. But, uh... Commoditization of bread, I meant. Com- commodity- no, no, yeah, not yeah, not yeah. conquest. conquest. Not, no, it's conquest. Of conquest? conquest? Of, yeah, 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 it's conquest of bread. So, anyway, so that's, that's, that's so my rant that's about your rant leftism. About, yeah. And I guess I guess these people exist. No, and then like dictatorship of the proletariat on Facebook, which, <laughs> which is, is a where... meme page. It's a meme page, but it's also like they talk about it a lot. Like, yeah, you know, don't don't be an asshole to your fellow comrades. And all I can think is like, is somebody being an asshole? I'm I see it sometimes. Something. I see it sometimes on some Facebook groups uh, uh, okay. where, like, like 
I'm a member of I'm a member of a, I follow a Facebook group that uh, is called Snuggly Woggly Socialists, uh, whose goal is basically to be like left unity. You guys, come on, we're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get anarchists and tankies together, and they're gonna get along. Damn it, <laughs> that's a that's a noble goal. Um, and sometimes that stuff does crop up from time to time, but usually the mods are good at putting, kind of putting it down. Yeah. No, I I have seen people on the flip side of that. I have seen people like, um yell at liberals yeah that for not being leftist enough that, that that i've seen um and i've seen the kind of response of like don't don't yell at the liberals bring them into the fold mm. like they're almost there like i used to be a liberal and now i'm a leftist like the rest of you <laughs> so you know the it can of, happen to me the rest of the can happen of to anyone but i'm probably like really easily influenced so <laughs> i don't know how much of a win this is all wins are. Worse. I once joined the College Republicans for free pizza, and because my boyfriend is there, so I'm not a good person. I mean, free pizza. I think is what I'm. I know. I mean, I feel like. Uh, but then you get the College Republicans yelling at you about how nothing is free. <laughs> but the pizza was free. You had to hang out with the College Republicans. That was that the was payment. The, that That's was your the chance. transaction. I'd say that that is probably oh, the most expensive God. pizza you ever ate. The, Char- <laughs> the Charlie the Kirk. Your soul. The Charlie oh, Kirk of X number of years ago. Oh God, how terrible would that be? Did uh, you see him freaking out at Politicon? I did see him freaking out at Politicon. Charlie Kirk freaked out at Politicon at like the what's his name? The guy who runs the Young Turks. Uh, Syrac. Yeah. yeah. But basically, but, we're great with names, y'all. Um, he's got I don't know some Turkish. Um, he's, but he's like, he was on stage and he was like some sort of interview. And I, I don't know the context for it. Cause the video that I saw started with him starting his freak out. Uh, Senk Uger. Yeah. Uger. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Senk, pronunciation. Senk Uger, I think is right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, um, but, but Senk asked him, uh, asked him something about like, what was the question about like how much money he made a year or something like that? Yeah. Because there was a similar question asked to the person he was debating earlier in the debate and Charlie Kirk just like freaked out and he got, got up on like stood up out of the chair. He was sitting down and calmly like talking. I imagine a few moments before and like stormed up to the front of the stage and like pointed at him and started yelling at him. He's like, I have lived as a capitalist every day of my life. Like, <laughs> He lives in his wow. parents' house. He lives in his parents' house. And the hilarious thing about that was that it came out after this freakout. <laughs> oh, my God. And so just, like, all of the... I, I actually, for some reason... Oh, I know what it was. It was um the, the Chapo Trap House You know, I bet if he just uh, cleaned his room. Yeah, probably. If he cleaned and got room. a real job. Bucko. Bucko. Um, <laughs> the Chapo Trap House shitposting forum um, posted a thing about, uh, like, a, a turning points... USA meme recently, which was like life with fossil fuels, and it was like a huge, uh, like a like a yacht, and it was like oh no, the celeb no I no it wasn't even life with fossil fuels, it was the celebrity lifestyle with fossil fuels, and it was a huge like, yacht, and then the second one was the celebrity lifestyle without fossil fuels, and it was this like rusted little dinghy, and like all of the comments in there were from leftists. Yes. <laughs> well. Like I'm fine it, with it. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, that's, that's exactly what we want. Yeah. So, <laughs> like so, yeah. Let's get rid of fossil fuels yeah, now. This no, is this great. Is great. <laughs> At some points, it's hard to say. Is that even an original? Because like, there's so many just like fake Turning Point USA. Yeah. No, no. It was from their. It was, it was from on their, their official page. <laughs> okay. oh my and God. I went in there. I, I posted something about like. Um, 
something along the lines of uh, kill the planet because otherwise you'll hurt rich babies fifis <laughs> and that I attributed I attributed the quote to tiny faced infant who still lives at home yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it was just, and that was a lot there was a lot of other things on there just like that about like how how's it like living at home like yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's how our activism manifests these yeah. days is commenting on Facebook because threads. what else can we do we because like we're just well, living in hell world I mean now. Lenin has has the answers <laughs> organize the workers into militias yeah but after a while that didn't turn out so well yeah uh, uh but yeah. uh anyway oh uh, I, speaking oh. oh sorry speaking of other people who turned out to be shit bags um or not turned out to be shit bags but, but we're always shit bags well we're always shit bags uh, Richard Spencer is apparently oh, a yeah. wife beater oh yeah like shocked guys so, yeah. shocked. so shocked so shocking I'm sorry. I, I, my heart goes out to his, his ex-wife. Can you imagine having been married to that guy? I feel so bad for her. What, like, do you, like, but on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, though, it's like, what were you thinking? Like, what attracted you to Richard Spencer? No, no, no. Don't blame abused women I'm not blaming her for her abuse, but I'm blaming her for marrying a Nazi. No, but she probably, like, you know, she probably... Okay, but he was no, probably no, a Nazi teetering, when they met. You're teetering on like dangerous territory. No, no, no. Which I'm not is, saying. Like, which is why do why do women get into abusive relationships? No, 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 and no, no, Why no. do they stay there? I'm, I'm what I'm saying. And, what and I'm I saying don't is, feel like that's up for debate. I don't. I don't feel like Ava Braun should have been beaten. But also, why did you marry Adolf Hitler? Like, it's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> Although at least Hitler didn't beat her, allegedly, supposedly. I just. It is getting a little bit close to that. Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, in non-political readings oh, that I've been reading, okay. nothing thing. Yeah, so so I I started re- so since I finished Lenin, that, that was that was the beginning of the thought, <laughs> and then we went straight left, uh, which always is always go always go left. This is left company. It's part of the guidelines. Um, but I started reading a new book, um, which is a murder mystery. Um, it's it's part it's like a collection of of three stories of the uh-huh. uh the uh jim leaphorn mysteries are you familiar with the jim leaphorn series no no um so jim leaphorn uh D- detective leaphorn and sergeant chi um they it's it's basically I'm sorry. sorry no continue uh, so these are mysteries that are set on the navajo reservation and uh, Lee Porn is a police officer with the Navajo Reservation Police, huh. and it's set. Uh, it's it's got all of this kind of uh, kind of steeped in the the lore, the, the lore, the the cultural identity of the the Navajo. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, there's made they made some movies about it that I saw a while ago. Uh, one of the first one is uh, Skinwalkers. Uh-huh. Oh, I have heard of this movie. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is the book series that's based that 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 movie eventually is based off of. Okay. Uh, because the first three books in the series are based around Lee Porn. The second three books are based around Chi. Uh, and, is it Chi or Cree? I I'm sorry. I it's been a while since I watched the movie, and this first book is about Lee Porn. Um, but then they get together and they interact in the next set and that's what the movie's based off of mm. um so skinwalkers is a great film if you haven't seen it you might i've never to. seen it but i've yeah. heard about it but it, it basically follows uh a murder uh, a skinwalker is a I'll, I'll pull up the wikipedia article here so i don't miss things up 
uh, it in the Navajo language it is ye naaldoshi, which I'm terribly mispronouncing, and I apologize. Uh, but as Wikipedia says, it means to go on all fours. And it's essentially a kind of a, a person that can wear the skin of another of an animal, like a wolf or, or something else, or coyote. Um, and it's a, it's a type of uh, a Navajo witch. And the, the murder is where a skinwalker murders someone. Mm. And one person, uh, Chi, uh, is also practicing to become uh to basically learn a lot of the the cultural kind of uh religious part aspect of the navajo culture uh whereas lee porn is more kind of he's been to the big city and much more kind of the the big city cop that's come back home mm. uh and so it's that kind of traditional versus you know more modern policing stuff uh and trying to catch whoever is doing this murder whether it's like a actual skinwalker or whether it's someone pretending to be one and what's going on with that uh and so that's that's what the whole kind of movie is about and that again is based off of like the seventh book in the series so i've just started and i'm looking into it i only read chapter one so i can't really say anything about what the book's about yeah. but i did want to kind of bring it back back to the movie that i had seen and i i saw it on netflix and it might still be there so if you guys want to check that out very cool anyway i want to check that out Thank you. Yeah. Sounds like a solid recommend. Yee. I'm sorry to have interrupted that with laughing. I just happened to be glancing down at my Facebook and saw that uh, apparently at a recent uh, Philadelphia Flyers game, Gritty had been put into the penalty box. Yep, and proceeds to wreck the shit out of it. And proceeded to wreck the shit out of it. Someone tweeted the story with the words, no gods, no kings, (laughs) no borders. Yes. Uh, Gritty is the new leftist icon that we deserve. Yep. <sighs> um. So, I don't know. We're getting close to an hour and a half. I, I just want to throw in a few uh, movie recommendations, uh, movies that I've watched recently. So, um, I've been, like I said, getting into the Halloween spirit. I've been watching a shitload of, of scary movies, movies that I have not seen before. Um, I watched the uh, WNUF Halloween special, which I think I might have referenced on the show before. I don't think I watched it last year. I may have, but I've seen people talk about it. So it was kind of hard to tell what I had seen from there. Um, But it was basically, it is a, ostensibly, it is a VHS recorded um, live, local news broadcast from 1987 on Halloween night. I, sorry, I just want to just want to make a correction. I think I said Jim Leeporn. It's Joe Leeporn. Okay, and it is Chi, uh, who's the the detective, the uh, sergeant in that film. Anyway, and it, this movie is called Skinwalkers with an S on it, not yeah. Skinwalker, which is another film. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um, so the WNUF Halloween special. It's a it's a found footage horror film, um, that is a recorded live news broadcast on Halloween night, uh, from a local. TV station complete with fast forwarded through commercials for mm-hmm. like rug warehouses and like <laughs> order like this jack-o'-lantern making kit order it for your kids and like just things like that it's another swelter yeah. ah you buy the new uh air conditioner i'll call them tomorrow yeah you'll call now i'll call now yeah <laughs> yes it's got those commercials um Probably the most hilarious thing that happens in it. So, like, basically, they're all building up to, oh, we can stick around, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have a special report from the uh, this, this, uh, this uh, local 
urban legend house where supposedly 30 years ago there was a or like 20 years ago there was a uh, a spirit board murder that the son of this family killed his parents because a spirit board like a ouija board told him how to do it um they're gonna have a live seance on air for the first time ever and it turns into like when things it's like it's really goofy and it's really like kind of cheesy until like the last 20 minutes when like like really fucked up shit starts to happen but then like because it is local network television the weird the really fucked up shit they have to cut away from and then it's like oh we're experiencing technical difficulties let's uh Let's go to this story. And so you see another part from earlier in the movie where there was like a story about like, uh, what's the scariest thing on Halloween for a dentist? It's candy. Candy is the scariest thing about Halloween. And it's like <laughs> after this really fucked up thing has happened in the movie. <laughs> um, it's called the WNUF Halloween special. It's streaming on Amazon right now. Um, it is really it's it's not great. Um, like there's really only twenty to thirty minutes of an actual movie in there, and the rest of it is just like this goofball random shit. Um, I can do with some goofball. Yeah, no, it's shit. pretty good. It's pretty good. When the stuff does end up happening, like some of the stuff is pretty fucked up. Um, nope. But but the the parts where it like cuts to the local commercials is pretty great. Mm-hmm. That's my my favorite part of it. Um, so that one was good. Uh, less, less cheery. I finally watched don't breathe. Um, which I've been meaning to see for years. I bought it at scares that care this past year. Mm -hmm. And so I finally sat down to watch it. I'm glad I watched it. It was really good. I don't know if I want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. Like I came out of that movie, not feeling okay. Mm. Like even more than the new Halloween movie. Uh, are you familiar with it? Have you heard about this one? No. All right. So it, it takes place in Detroit and our three protagonists are criminals. Um, they break into houses. Like one of them, uh, his dad owns a security company. And so he's got the remote for like overriding the, the alarm systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so they break into houses that his dad services. They don't steal cash because cash is grand larceny. So they steal like other smaller stuff and then fence it. And the main character's big goal is she wants to get out of fucking Detroit, which fair. Mm. Um, Like she wants to go take either. It's unclear whether this young girl is like her daughter or her younger sister or what, but she lives in this really fucked up household situation. And so she wants to take this younger, this younger girl with her to California, like get away from this shitty life that they've wound up in. So you kind of really sympathize with her. But she's not doing it in a great way, but she doesn't really have any other options. Mm-hmm. And so basically, the the movie is, they find that there's... As this, most crime is. Yeah. They find that there's this one... like It's one of those, we'll do one last hit, and then we'll get out. Like, once you do this, I'll have enough money where I can move to California. Like, we can finally do this. Um, and it turns out it's this, it, it's this home in... And there are sections of Detroit where this is true. Where basically... All of the houses for like five blocks around are abandoned. Mm-hmm. So it's this house in the middle of nowhere. This guy lives by himself. His daughter was killed in a car accident and they paid him this huge like payoff for it. Mm-hmm. So they know he's got money and he's blind. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they all, they decide that they're going to do this. It's like, okay, this will be an easy score. We'll go in there when he's asleep. We'll take the stuff and we'll get out of there. And then it's like easy money. Then you find out that this guy was like an army vet mm-hmm. and he went blind in the war and he's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you, you get into this whole thing where like, okay, they break in, they think this guy is helpless, but like he starts going after them. Um, and as the movie goes on, it just gets more and more fucked up mm-hmm. when you find out about what this guy has done. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so it's not, it's kind of the opposite of the standard home invasion movies where it's like the invader is the one that you feel bad for. And the person who's just in his house is like this fucked up scary monster. I mean, that's the middle class right wing dream. Right. No, and that's exactly <laughs> what I thought watching this movie is it's like, Jesus Christ, this is like, if you took any of the latter day, like uh, Clint Eastwood movies mm. and you flipped it around, like this is what that movie would be. <laughs> um, it's It was really good. Like I said, it was really well done. It was very effective. But man, there I don't want to spoil anything in case people are like like me who've been wanting to see it who haven't seen it. There are some fucked up things in this movie. Um, for those of you who have seen it, when you get down to the basement and you find out what he's got down in that basement. What does he have in his creepy Jesus basement? Jesus Christ. I don't want to spoil it for the people who don't haven't seen it. I'll, I'll tell you later off air if you're interested. Nah, it's fine. Um, but Jesus Christ, when you find out what he's got in his fucked up creepy basement. And then when you wind up back in the basement later in the movie and it's even worse. No, no. Um, so that one was l- way less fun than the WNUF Halloween special. Um, and then the last one that I watched that was kind of a nice mixture of extremely fucked up but also kind of goofy and fun mm. um, was called Motel Hell, which is also streaming on Amazon right now. Um, and this is one that I think red letter media had recommended. And so that's why I watched it. Mm-hmm. It is very disturbing and very goofy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's basically this middle of nowhere rundown motel run by this farmer and his sister. And they, they also make famous smoked meat products and they sell those smoked meat products to, to you know, people coming by smoked meat trademark. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's, it's mostly pork, but what makes it, what gives it that special flavor is that he also mixes in human meat with the pork. Ah, surprise. Um, and so basically, and he's, but he's basically just like this regular kind of like down home, aw shucks kind of, kind of guy. And he, the way he describes it, the way he talks about what he does, it's like, well, there's too many people and there's not enough food. You know, meat's meat. We got to provide Oh, no. Food he's, going, he's going the overpopulation. Yeah. Route. Yeah. Uh, he's going the overpopulation route. I fucking hate this Yeah. Um, but it's... it's, And the way that they do it is... <laughs> it's it's kind of... Like, it's like this is where it gets into the fucked up parts. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't just, like, straight up kill people. He will... He'll go cause car accidents. Hmm. And then knock the person out, take them back to his farm, and basically, like, plant them 
and slit their vocal cords so they can't like scream and then like fatten them up in the ground like him and his sister huh yeah but it's all done like with this kind of jokey like very tongue-in-cheek kind of tone um and the movie kind of centers around these two characters like these are your protagonists Mm -hmm. and there's also a woman that they they he causes this accident at the very beginning and he decides not to kill the woman because he kind of has a thing for her so he takes her back and like nurses her back to health and like really starts to genuinely have an affection for her so it's kind of this weird fucked up romance and then like she sort of becomes the hero at the end when she finds out what's going on um there's also chainsaw sword fights at one point Mm. um between the 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 farmer guy and somebody else towards the end um there's a lot of jokes about like you know use all natural ingredients don't don't feed my meat chemicals don't feed them preserve you know don't use preservatives Mm. that is a great punchline to the end of the movie because the good guys win at the end and the, the farmer's dying and he's like i was the biggest hypocrite of them all i used preservatives (laughs) (laughs) so it's this really it's really dark (coughs) really funny not Mm. not terribly gory like you don't see a lot of this stuff it's implied Mm -hmm. what he's doing you do see him kill a few people um he uh and the way he does it is he like he hypnotizes them so that they're not like you know they're not they won't feel anything so it's like he does think he what he's doing is humane he's kind of a sympathetic character in some ways mm. he's just batshit crazy gotcha um but yeah it's it's it was a, a fun goofy little film sounds fun all right all right i think those are all the ones that i wanted to talk about tonight well i think that's about it for us from tonight uh when you next hear from us it will no longer be halloween sad well, we will probably have some more halloween movies to talk like a about halloween wrap up yeah, yeah. but um Anyway, yeah, um, trans people, we care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, refugees, we care about you. Hey, keep uh, them coming, guys. And uh, don't give in to fascism and right- white supremacy. Uh, this is stay strong. Yeah, uh, my name's Alex. Go fucking vote, dumbasses. I'm sorry. Vote, vote is that too strong? Vote to survive. Vote, vote in that constituency that's been rigged to vote Republican no yeah, matter what. Yeah, but still fucking vote, damn it. Don't, don't discourage people from voting. Don't, don't, uh, don't worry, though. The Republicans have won your constituency for the past 20 years. You should still vote. It's fine. This is fine. The despair is falling. Everything's on fire. Hey, you can, you can despair and everything will be on fire November, November 7th. But until November 7th, Okay. Everyone has to go commit the symbolic act of voting. All right. Well, my name's been Alex. It, it can, my name continues to be Nick. I'm, my name is Elise. And uh, we have a podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Good night.